Nocturne Hall presents an original audio drama intended only for an adult audience. Devils walk among us, some just a mile north of the White House. Whether conjured or elected, they prey on the innocent all the same. Most won't even listen, so folks knock on the one door in the district of crime who will. DuPont Investigations. I never thought my heart would bend. You taught me how to love again. It's you and me until the end. Oh, we'll paint this whole town red. Just the devils are the devils of DuPont. Just the devils. The devils of DuPont. This is the Scourge from Carthage, part six. Come on, let's try to hail a cab. I need to return to my office. Wait, I thought we were headed straight to the Cairo. I wouldn't dare at this stage. I don't understand. There's one with its lights still on. Where to? DuPont Circle. All right, get in. You gents are lucky I was just about to turn out my light. I'm an usher for tomorrow's Easter service. Swell, Buster. Uh, you can drop us off at the southwest corner of Connecticut Avenue. You got it, boss. Why are we stopping there first? I need to consult an old tome. Classic. Well, you enjoy your tome. I'm ready to crack some skulls. Why so eager? You know something I don't? Sure. I knew Philip Steeples. If Abe thought Philip was at the end of his morphine dependence, then there's one bastard responsible, and it sure as heck ain't Philip. Nice hunch, but what facts do you have to go on? Calder kicked his habit, but has no problem procuring dope for Philip. Meaning what? Calder had intimate knowledge of the junk. Morphine is like any medicine. You can take it a few ways orally with varying degrees of absorption. If we assume Abe was right about Philip being almost totally weaned off the tablets, the simplest method of jolting his system would be intravenous delivery. Please don't tell me you think. No. I don't think Calder jabbed him in the arm. I think he unloaded that syringe into a drink and served it up like the wolf in sheep's clothing he is. Devious bastard. If that's how it played out. What? You think Irma's still the mastermind? Eh, she's got the smarts for it, but perhaps not the heart. In most cases, I follow the mint green, but it's one aspect missing in this case. That's because there's more to this clam bake than meets the eye. Is this an alright spot to plop you gents? Sure. I'll get it this time. Keep it. And enjoy your service tomorrow. Thanks sir, God bless. How long do you need with your tome? As long as you can give me, why? I'd like to check out the Cairo, maybe visit with the manager, and see what I can gather about Calder's movements. Good thinking, but whatever you do, steer clear of Calder. Why? He got you spooked? Abe's bit about the shadowy figure standing over Phillips got me more than spooked. Come now. Are you worried more about a ghost than Calder Evans? I'm not sure it is a ghost. Before you go over there, you should stop by the Mayflower and grab your piece. Now I gotta be wearing iron? Why are you so afraid of this guy anyway? You jumped him once before with nothing but a toilet roll holder. Hey, you're the one that almost got popped by a gunzel earlier. I thought it was a warning shot? 
And speaking of a different kind of Gunzel... Oh, I know. Honest Abe had me tearing up. I didn't see it coming. Not from him. I'm surprised by Philip's choices. Nah, I get it. Handsome lad. Plays the sax. Didn't remind Philip of the past he ran away from. Abe Rhodes was his new beginning. He was. Baris Root? DuPont Investigations? It's me. You won't believe this place. Are you in Philip's room? The one I told you not to go into? I'm fine. Look, Lila had them clear the books, right? Right. They took out the area rug, too, but she didn't mention any symbols chalked onto the flooring. What symbols? The spooky kind, arranged in a circular pattern. Get out of there. Why? You don't think our Roman ghost will show if I stay? It's not her I'm worried about. All right, I'll head your way then. No, I'll meet you at the corner of 17th and Q. I need to run an errand first. What, at this hour? Yeah. We ain't taking another step before it. All right, see you soon. Where are we headed? First stop is a little shop down the street. You shouldn't have gone into that room alone. One minute you're a skeptic, and the next paranoid. You don't get it, Nige. This ain't some fire pit kitty tale we're dealing with. What is it then? We're here. Ah, yakşam Lartorstan Pasha. Hoshgadnis. Hoshbulduk, Evren. Thanks for opening up this late for us. I promise it's important. Are we awaiting Kadir Bey? No. My father entrusted me with handling your order alone. He says you always seek the strangest items. I believe it's sort of a test. I see. Evren, I'd like you to meet my associate, Nigel Clemens. Evren Gültekin. A pleasure to meet you, Mr. Clemens. Likewise. So, how can I help you, gentlemen? We're after something called a Baharas route. Ever heard of it? Oh, you never cease to amaze, Torstan Pasha. My friend, you folks never disappoint. Please don't make this time your first. May I ask what need you have of Baras? Bir şeytan için. Ah, uh, bu doğru mu? Doğru. What? Var bende Baras, but be careful, Torstan Pasha. What's this thing for? I'll fill you in on the way. Way to where? The Kraus residence. Kardeşim. How much for the root? Baras, very rare. Do you know how it is extracted? With much difficulty. And death. Death? Yes, Mr. Clemens. A dog was sacrificed to retrieve this precious root. It is a hard thing to put a price on. Yet, here we are trying to buy it. So if you had to part with it... 300. For a root? He's right. Three C's is pushing it. Even for Baras. 250. 225, final offer. Hmm, okay, Torstan Pasha, but I regret I must ask for immediate payment. You don't have a line of credit here? Seems like you're a regular. Torstan Pasha is one of our best customers, actually. It's not that my friend here doesn't think I'm good for it. Just afraid I might not last long enough to settle my tab. What? Here you are. Teşekkürler. Oskar, 
<gülüyor> güle güle kullan derdim de. Şeytana gidiyorsun. Kolay gelsin. Good, the rain's cleared up. So why is this thingamajig worth two seas and a quarter? Most claim it doesn't even exist. We hail in this cab or what? Nah, it's a short walk. I prefer to get my head straight on the way. And it's time you understood what we might be walking into. What do you think we'll find at the judge's house? Rhodes had the right idea about Calder seeking out the closest connection to his ghost, but Philip's room wasn't it. But Abe told us about Philip's strange mumblings while suffering from withdrawal there. Could just be a natural part of kicking the dope. And the shadow figure? That's the type of thing that sticks with a person, not a place. So you suspect something else? That's right. So if an ancient Roman ghost didn't visit Philip, then by who? Or what? Something far more powerful than a specter. What do you mean? You said you were raised Methodist. How would you rate your current reverence? I'm no scholar like you. No, I'm talking piety, not biblical literacy. If you're asking if I'm still a believer, the answer is yes. Good. That's what I wanted to hear. That's an awfully personal question. What about you? Me? Uh, I'm both a believer and a skeptic. You said before you believed stuff other folks wouldn't. Let me ask, when Christ was crucified, do you believe he suffered on the cross? I didn't know that there was even a question about it. Oh sure, not anymore. In the 4th century, the Council of Nicaea adopted the Nicene Creed. It established all the mainstream doctrines we know today, like the Holy Trinity. I've heard of the Nicene Creed. Well, at the start of the 4th century, Roman Emperor Constantine issued the Edict of Milan, decriminalizing Christianity. Before then, I'm sure you're familiar with stories of Romans persecuting Christians. Feeding them to lions, sure. It's within that time span when many of the mainstream doctrines we accept today were fiercely debated among Christians. One of those topics included whether Christ suffered on the cross. It may seem straightforward, but what do you make of Christ rising from the dead? What do you mean, what do I think? Did he die and his body refilled with life? Or did he appear to others more like a ghost? Never gave it too much thought. Not many do. Some early Christians believed he may not have suffered due to his ability to transform into something else. And when he arose, he did so more as an angel or a phantom. I never heard that in church. In the Gospels, Christ appears and disappears to his disciples like a phantom, but also breaks bread and invites them to touch his flesh to prove he's real. So there's no straightforward answer. Quite the opposite. In defending the position that Christ suffered and returned as flesh and blood, Ignatius of Antioch claimed Christ urged his disciples to feel his flesh to prove he was no bodiless demon. Demon? A malevolent spirit lacking human form. Christ was even accused of being possessed by a demon in the Gospel of John. Wait, you're telling me you believe in demons? You told me you believe in Jesus Christ. So do a lot of folks. I'm not begrudging you for it. Perpetua and her companions believe in him enough to get slaughtered by the Romans. I thought you said we weren't dealing with her anymore. We're not. Who knows what called her saw over in France and French Tunisia. It might have been her, who knows? But not now. In Calder's journal, he mentioned how the column capped with a cross erected in honor of her martyrdom glowed when she disappeared at Carthage's ruined amphitheater. And still, he turned to the Theosophist for answers. Not the brightest bulb in the box. Not like Philip. 
No, Philip connected all the dots. But their combined devotion to bringing her to his aid wasn't just misguided, it was lethal. And it still is. What? You mean a demon is responsible for Philip's death? A Christian scholar and contemporary of Perpetua named Tertullian claimed ne'er a Christian in Carthage was unaffected by a demon. He also asserted demons disguised themselves as souls of the dead, driving folks to premature deaths. So you think Philip saw Perpetua, but it wasn't Perpetua? Aces, Nige. Aces. Then who was it? Clement of Alexandria claimed that Greco-Roman gods were never gods, but demons in disguise. Through their incredible abilities, demons tricked the masses into making sacrifices in their names. Although they lacked bodies like you or I, Clement claimed they gorged off the smoke and meat of carcasses prepared for ritual sacrifice and supped the sacrificial wine. With such nourishment, they grew powerful and continued their vile reign over humanity. But that was ages ago. Of course, and for ages, they dwelled in the upper echelons of power, moving from one vassal's household to another. Even then, some sought their aid to expand the boundaries of their realms, bring fortune, and ensure a good crop. Birth sons to carry on the line. Right. But we don't have any of that now. Though, I suppose there are still a few remaining crowns. No, it's not the crowns they chased. It's the sacrifices. In the last century, we sent children into factories and didn't question when their little bodies never made it out once the whistle blew. Heck, Irish and Chinese laborers went up in smoke to build the railroads. We all see more and more sacrifice from those working joke wages, struggling just to make ends meet. And at the top, old Pharaoh's in charge once more. Only he's traded the largest pyramid for the tallest skyscraper. The other titans of industry sit around boardrooms, arguing about their affairs like the Olympus of old. True, we may not have temples or ziggurats like we used to, but these days, demons have plenty to chew on. But they're not being worshipped like before. No? What do you think the fat cats of industry worship more than being in black instead of red every quarter? The steeples and the like built empires off the backs of enslaved Africans, and even after being freed, those folks still worked for a pittance. And God knows how many perished to build what's here in Washington alone. Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Now you see where I get my skepticism about the Bible. You're all over the place. You believe in demons, but not our Lord and Savior? I didn't say I didn't believe in the guy. I'm just skeptical the church got all the facts straight. The Vatican did enough editing to make yellow journalism seem tame by comparison. And they threw away a whole mess of good reads. What, heresies? Heresies, schmeresies. Knowledge is power, and I intend to use it. What's your plan then? We're almost there. You probably think Christ invented exorcisms. I don't recall them mentioned before the Gospels. Uh, King Saul had his moment, but for the most part, they're absent. Still, Christ wasn't the first to bark a few lines at a damn demon to get him to scram. There are old litanies and numerous texts. So you plan to yell at it? No, 
Mine's much wiser, but I still may yell at it. The good thing for you is Tertullian of Carthage wrote, true believers in Christ held some sway over demons. So as I said before, I'm not knocking your beliefs. On the contrary, I'm envious. I wish I could wield my faith to spear this devil. But when I've tried before, it's almost gotten killed. You mean we're walking into an exorcism? You bore witness to a human sacrifice. Hell, you mean Philip? Yup, and that's the reason you couldn't follow the mint green. There's one thing that outranks it. Unbridled power. When you have it, you don't dare share it. You think that's why Calder took a shot at me? You heard Abe. Said he became fanatical. But I thought Philip was his meal ticket. Those strange symbols you found in Philip's apartment? That wasn't for no ghost. Calder serves a new master now. For how long is anyone's guess. The tricky thing is, he may not even recognize it yet. You said demons are deceptive. So I take it this isn't your first exorcism. I've been to exorcisms, but I've never played exorcist. Then what the heck are we doing here? You haven't heard of Ephesus along the Turkish Aegean coast? Maybe. At one point, a plague affected the whole city. Apollonius of Tiana discovered the root cause. It wasn't an environmental problem like a poisoned well or an epidemic like the Spanish flu. No, the origin was a primordial evil hosted within the body of an old beggar outside the city's theater. The plague emanated from this creature, and the people suffered. Many had died. Do you have any idea what they did to rid themselves of it? Commanded it to leave? They stoned it. That worked? Sure. Until out of its dead mouth emerged a mangy, rabid dog that scurried off into the night. Bananas. Humans have been facing off against the evil we're about to face for eons. They used any tool they could muster. And when that didn't work? Some bargained with them rather than succumb to their will. Now, I know you doubt much of what I've told you to be true. I understand there's nothing to prepare you for the reality we are about to face. But up those steps, we will encounter an inhuman force of unspeakable power. It will deceive us and attempt to divide us. Torsten, are those eyes glowing red? I'm not seeing things, right? On the lion fountain? Yeah, your eyes don't deceive you. It's here, all right. And that's to scare us off. Great. We're right on time. For what? It's Easter Sunday now. If it still fears Christ, then Easter may weaken its resolve. But remember, we live in a more inhuman world than ever before. Make no mistake, electric lines run to the house. Invisible waves transmit from dozens of miles away, transforming into radio programs. We are more at risk of deception than ever before. For we must discern our reality from the one it wants us to see, hear, or feel. This is a thing without a body, but it can use any one of ours. It can also make the doorbell ring or the phonograph play a record. How are you so calm about all of this? We all go someday. 
If my end is trying to send a devil back to hell, well, Buster, deal me in. Life's a one-way ticket either way. You'd risk your life to save Calder after what he's done? Calder? Remember, Ephesus. This ends with us tonight. Our Philip is the first of many more victims. The devil's loose in Washington. I can only imagine the destruction if its power grows. Why, it's unimaginable. Bananas. Remember, whatever happens in there, don't forget yourself. And memorize this. Hold thy peace and come out of him. Hold thy peace and come out of him. I'll snap my fingers. That's your cue. Now let's knock on this door with the vigor of Luther nailing his thesis. On three, two, open up and we'll break it down. Again. Careful, this is private property. Look, they're on the table, the journal and- The manuscript. Did she send you to collect these? Ha, you misunderstand. Irma was making a terrible mistake. We've uncovered the greatest mystery in history. It's not the sort of thing one publishes. It's a shame Philip isn't here to enjoy your discovery. It is indeed, for he would be astonished at the outcome. We've broken the barrier between the living and the dead. You bastard! Philip was about to beat the dope. Why'd you ruin it for him? I did as she instructed. She said he was weak. That only her words could heal him for good. That he needed to return to a state of withdrawal to reach her. Nice dinner party by the looks of it. Just the two of you? Let me guess, roast pork. How did you know? Oh, lucky guess. Burning black candles on Easter? You a theosophist or a Satanist? I resent the implication. Where's your host? Look, Torsten, she's on the patio. Of course. Stop right there. Now, sister, don't tell me you're contemplating growing up. I can't believe my eyes. Don't you see it? What marvelous stairs. What's she on about? She's set on climbing the ladder, don't you see it? No. Neither do I, but it's there all right. She sees it, just as Philip saw it, at the same spot. It's no wonder he lost his footing, though. With all that booze coursing through his veins, I'm astounded poor Philip ever made it off the parlor divan. Climb, my dear. Don't pay any attention to them. But it's a terrible height from which to fall. Listen, Irma, you might believe it's the same ladder as the one Calder climbed to escape the trenches in France, but I swear to you it isn't. Come, step away. Dear, of course it is. Don't listen to them. This is a test of faith. Well, I bet Philip climbed 11 stories before he came crashing down. Or was he thrown down? The force of his impact suggests he might have been. Broke near every bone in his body. But I can't see Perpetua slamming poor Philip into the pavement. Shh. Disperse. We've awaited this moment for so long. Oh, I see. We misjudged you, Calder. Silence. Don't trust him, Irma. This wild goose chase was worth more to him than Philip's life. Do you think he regards yours with any greater value? I'm sure you've heard Calder's tale. Philip gave his life in blind faith for it, but come now, Perpetua's whole rag doesn't hold up. Hold up? A noble young Roman woman writing away in the amphitheater stocks? She wasn't the sole author of the martyr's account. 
of course, but you buy that she penned those visions herself? What, the Romans rounded up the catechumens, but then allowed their deacons visiting hours? No, it doesn't add up. If the Romans were so down on the Christians, why'd they suddenly soften their stance? And of course, wasn't a few of them being enslaved convenient? Almost like Tertullian penned the whole thing to get the Romans thinking Christians held no distinction between those enslaved and noble citizens. All enter heaven as equals as long as they bow down and await their slaughter. Lies, my dear. Don't listen to them. One thing's for sure. No one gets to heaven climbing a ladder straight from hell. <laughs> Perpetua, is that you? All right, let's say Perpetua's yarn was genuine. Then do you know who lamented Perpetua's martyrdom the most? It wasn't the public, not even her family. No, it was the consort of Baal, Haman, the chief god of Carthage. Master, command me. I am your servant. Shut it, you bastard. I get it, you bowed down to this demon long ago. She demanded Philip as a sacrifice, and now she's hungry for another young soul. And what did she promise you in return? Don't you recognize being granted an audience with such an exalted being? She looks like hell. Sounds like it too. She promised you fame, fortune, that which you wanted most in life but couldn't obtain. You don't know what it's like to be a useless fool. Every night awakening drenched in sweat, hearing the ringing cries of fallen comrades who died in your arms. Perpetual may have saved my life, but what a life to save. What am I but a thief? A swindler, a poor tradesman, a wretch? Without a penny to my name. We get but one life, gentlemen. I choose to make the most of mine. Oh. Exalted one, let us be done with these pests. Destroy them! Not so fast, your grace. No creature so powerful heeds the rash commands of mortal men. Although, my, how times have changed. Tens of thousands used to pray to you. I bet you can almost still smell the charred olive wood they used in your pyres. And they didn't just bring you a hog like your feast tonight. No, for mortals revered you enough to offer up their youngest child on your altar for sacrifice. But oh, how you've fallen. Have you stooped so low to taking the lives of young men and women full of promise on the brink of happiness? Hold thy peace and come out of her. <laughs> you all right? I'll be fine. Although, I bet that line worked better for Jesus of Nazareth. Sure did, but you got balls, kid. Don't fret, I got this. So, he called you exalted one, huh? Well. I bear an offering, but on one condition. Tell me, exalted one, how long has it been since you smelt the root of Varus? Only one with such an illustrious palate could know the delicacy I offer. But in exchange, I would be remiss if I did not oblige thee to leave this man unscathed and to depart this realm with haste. Oh, how I know thou desires to inhale this treasured root, for how long hast thee awaited his auspicious odor? A century or more? A millennium? Give it over. Not so fast. You have my terms. Agreed. Let us have it, Torsten, son of Sven. Take a big whiff, sister. You hold no dominion here. I adjure you, Tanit, chief goddess of Carthage. Be gone. Depart from this gal and go back from whence you came. 
Use its name this time. Cruel to meet. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, hold thy peace and come out of her. Come on, help me drag her out of the pool before she drowns. Sure, but look at Calder. There's blood pooling from his head. Help her first. All right. We got you, sister. Heavens. I don't remember taking a dip in the pool. What's the last thing you do remember? A fine dinner with roast ham. Then we cheered to something in Latin. The next thing I know, I'm in the damn pool. Torsten. Sorry, sister. Gotta check on this crumb over there. You need something to keep pressure on the- He's a goner. As Sophocles would say, there is a point at which even justice does injury. You mean he's dead? Sister, don't feel so bad. He was trying to turn you into a human sacrifice. I think I may faint. When you come to your senses, better prepare yourself an alibi. Just because we knocked our horns off doesn't mean you aren't still a fucking devil. Come on, Nigel, leave her be. Say, you're right, these bricks are broken. Philip must have hit hard here. It wasn't the climb that killed him. It was his faith these jackals wished to help him change. Lila's waiting for me at the coroner's office. But I wanted to thank you for all you've done. I admit, being part of all this, well, it changes a man. I know. Bring Philip home to his folks. Maybe then they can find some peace. But afterward, you should consider returning. We could go into business together. What, Clemens and Summersby? How about Summersby and Sons? <laughs> like a piano maker? No. I like DuPont investigations just fine. Will you at least consider it? Sure. I'll give it some thought. But I don't want to encounter any more demons. <laughs> no guarantees. But most of Washington's devils wear mohair suits and get reelected every two years. Them I'd have no problem slugging. I mean it, though. I couldn't have done any of this without you. Uh, don't go soft on me all of a sudden. Come here. I know. I never thought taking a job would cause me to lose him. He was my first. Take it from me, Nige. First loves make fools of us all. You're the only man I've met who I've told all of this. And you've treated me with nothing but respect. Everyone deserves respect and dignity. Once we've lost sight of that, we've lost everything. There now, hold your head high. Your journey isn't over yet. Return Philip to his folks, knowing you solved the case. Tell them the truth, though they won't be able to believe it. How do you know I'm mad? said Alice. You must be, said the cat, or you wouldn't have come here. It's open. I better let you go. Safe travels, friend. Good evening, Mr. Summersby. Why, Miss Axton. 
Please call me Vivian. Lady, you got some nerve coming in here. Why, I oughta- Before you tell me to scram. Scram! And go tell your editor at the Star to send someone else to cover this beat. After all the trouble I had in finding this place. Oh, let me guess. You forgot the office name. That's why DuPont Investigations never appeared in print. Fine. If that's what it'll cost to get you to comment. I'm through with reporters, especially you. All right. But I thought I owed you an opportunity to comment on tomorrow's story about a triple murder-suicide involving your former client. Which client? The little girl thought to be possessed by the archdiocese. Yet before, you claimed otherwise. I hadn't heard the grim news. Sorry for bearing it. But the police suspect the little girl killed her parents and then herself. At least, that's the detective's top theory. Off the record, of course. Care to comment? It figures. Just my luck. I run to the press and call the parents hoaxsters. And a devil visits her after all. How do you know she wasn't just cross with her parents for claiming she was possessed? I mean, they put her through all those painful medical procedures. Sure, anything's possible. But you see, Miss Axton, I bargained with the devil earlier on behalf of another client. And you know what they say. What's that? Payback is hell. DuPont Investigations is written by Mark Benjamin Langston and directed, edited, and sound designed by Bryce Bowen. Turkish editing by Jim Aydin. Keep your ears in the 1930s by becoming a DuPont investigator. Access our private Discord server, The Inside Scoop, or explore Torsten Summersby's recovered case file by visiting nocturnehall.com investigator. DuPont Investigations, The Scourge from Carthage, Part 6, features Mark Benjamin Langston as Torsten Summersby, Jacob Lohman as Nigel Clemens, Brian Langston as Driver 2, Jim Iden as Evren Gultekin, Joshua Hall as Calder Evans, Kara Turner as Irma Kraus, and Kendall Lysick as Vivian Axton. The original theme song, Devils of DuPont, written and performed by Bryce Bowen, is available wherever you stream music. For individuals and families facing mental health or substance use disorders in the United States, Listeners can call the free confidential national helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-H-E-L-P.